0: Every year, they come out with the top traits that are important for executives. And what was the top trait in 2010 more important than integrity, vision, management discipline was creativity.
1: Welcome to the Be Change Podcast. We're your hosts, Marcy Goldstein Gell.
2: And I'm Warren Goldstein Gell. This podcast is for leaders and emerging leaders who care about social change and how to make a great difference in the world.
1: The podcast explores strategies, tools, and stories to help you strengthen your social change and nonprofit leadership skills. I was really glad that you interviewed Joanne because I always have been interested in finding ways to make social justice campaigns more creative. You see, the same rallies all the time? And frankly, when they're when it's done all the same way, I don't think it has the impact.
2: Well, first of all, Joanne actually is someone from the business world. But uh, yeah, I, she talks towards the end of the interview about um, running through this process to unleash creativity in the workplace. And uh, so if a nonprofit used her suggestions, they probably would not arrive at the same, you know, Always using a rally as a way of protesting policy. Uh, there are other alternatives to to doing a rally. Not to say that a rally is not sometimes the best way, but exploring the possibilities of doing something differently is a you know a good practice, and that's creativity.
1: I also never would have thought that there's actually like types of creativity and specific techniques. I always just assume you bring people together and you brainstorm and all of a sudden creativity is unleashed.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's also true. And again, it was was surprising to see it in a a business context. My interview with Joanne actually took place almost four years ago. And it was my first interview that I conducted. It was at the International Positive Psychology Association in Orlando, Florida.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to hearing it again.
2: My guest today brings a remarkable mix of practical experience in creative problem solving and in business. She is a CEO of a technology startup with an MBA in finance, and she also has a PhD in human science with a focus on creativity studies. Recently, she completed a certificate in positive psychology from the Whole Being Institute, which is where I met Joanne Brunn. We recorded this episode at the International Positive Psychology Congress in Orlando, Florida. In this episode, I talk with Joanne about how you can marshal more creativity in your group or in your organization. She'll describe for you four types of creativity, techniques for increasing the creative power of you and your organization, and tips for using positive psychology tools to boost your creativity. I started our interview by asking Joanne, Why is creativity important for leaders?
0: I think, first of all, just from a personal perspective, we feel good when we're creative. We're doing something, we're bringing something fresh out into the world, we're solving problems. So I think there's some real deep down satisfaction that comes from that. From a leadership perspective, IBM does an annual study of chief executive officers, and they do that from many countries, 60 countries around the world and many, many industries. And every year they come out with the top traits that are important for executives. And what was the top trait in 2010, more important than integrity, vision, management discipline was creativity. And I think that's happening because our world is getting more and more complex. There's more and more interrelated parts. And in order to deal with the problems on that sort of magnitude, we're going to need more creative thinkers.
2: We're going to talk a lot about tools and strategies for enhancing creativity. But before we do, let me ask, how did you become interested and engaged in studying creativity?
0: I think that, um, uh, just to start with a personal story, before I even really understood what the word creativity meant or that I was doing it, is that I took art classes in high school. And I remember once doing a very simple art project, and it was um, an ink drawing of a cylinder. So you had to be very careful about shading it to make it look three-dimensional. I remember sitting in my bedroom with my little India ink and my my pen and doing this. And somehow hours went by, like three hours, I'm working on (laughs) this masterpiece. And I remember my mother calling me for dinner and I thought, oh my gosh, 10, 20 minutes went by. It was about three hours. And in understanding creativity as an adult, I realized that I got into a state of flow at that point where time just stopped or slowed down. And and I realized then that there was something about creativity that allowed you to get so engrossed in something that the world sort of disappeared. So I started thinking about how do you get into those states of flow? How do you get more creative in life? And in the workplace, how do you solve problems that are not necessarily your obvious problems, so you don't want to get the obvious solutions all the time. You want to dig a little bit deeper. So I think that's why I started getting more involved in, in looking at creativity, just being curious about how we could solve things better, how we could bring things out to the world in a bigger way or in a faster way or in a different way.
2: That's so interesting. And people do think of creativity, often they think of art or music. And you've mentioned, uh, it started for you with art, but you've mentioned problem-solving as a way that creativity can contribute in the workplace. Can you help us understand a little bit more about what creativity is, uh, especially in the workplace and for a leader?
0: So th- people do think about creativity in terms of art or music or, or dance as very classic. You know, they're a creative person, they're, they're a painter. Or if you get into business, they're a creative person, they're in advertising. So there's a lot of visual stuff that goes along with that, a lot of like pithy little words. and and that is. Creativity, as far as I'm concerned, but there's other elements of creativity we don't really think about. There could be everyday creativity of doing something different for dinner, adding a different spice, engaging in a different activity that's creative to that particular person. Problem solving at work often isn't thought of as a creative pursuit, but as the IBM study said, you know, we have to think creatively in order to solve problems. So there's certainly creativity in the workplace, and it just takes on a different flavor than art or music or dance because most of us aren't doing that in the workplace. But it's about problem solving. It's about looking at things differently, getting a new perspective on things that I think is important in order to be real leaders in today's complex world.
2: So let's talk a little bit more about what creativity actually is. You've studied creativity uh, quite a bit in your life. Mm -hmm. Can you give us a framework or a way of understanding a little more deeply what creativity is?
0: So as we talked about, most people think about creativity in terms of a, a product or an outcome. So there's a, you know, it's a painting or a dance or something like that. But Creativity um, has been defined in four dimensions, which makes it a little bit easier to understand the the bigger aspects of creativity. So creativity is defined in terms of the four Ps, which is person, um, place, process, and product. So if we look at those four pieces, we can see that creativity can take many forms. So you can be a creative person, and we often think of a marketing person as being a creative person, but also technical people tend to be very creative in the way that they design software programs. Or a manager might be creative in the way that they rearrange their, their staff to solve a particular problem. So creative people tend to have certain attributes such as tolerance of ambiguity. So they can stay in that unknown, should I do this, should I do that, and be okay and not feel that they have to come to a conclusion right away. They tend to be very flexible. So that's kind of the creative person aspect of things. Then you have the creative place, which is typically called press or press of the environment. And that's the cultural aspects of creativity. So the culture in which you were raised in, your family, your religious upbringing, your school, your community, um, your ethnic background, or the time that you were born. So if you think about the Renaissance, highly creative period, a lot going on in terms of architecture, in terms of art, in terms of science. So. You, you almost couldn't help but be creative in an environment like that. But if you think of something like the depression, perhaps, there probably wasn't a whole lot of creativity going on there. <laughs> so the environment that you're in, either globally or very locally, also affects your your ability to bring your creativity out. into the world easily or it would, might be more of a challenge.
2: It's interesting that you mention the depression and very interesting to talk about how environment affects creativity. That makes a lot of sense. And also, you had the Roosevelt administration creating government programs right, for artists who were you know, unemployed and uh, trying to create jobs. So the government in that case created a sort of a framework or an environment to promote artists and creativity during a period when it might not otherwise have, have been produced.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think you'll see creativity in businesses often come out in times of great crisis. Because those problems haven't been faced before who faced the Great Depression before that so when you're facing something that is is crisis mode or unusual leaders have to dig deep to figure out creative ways to move their organization or the country forward so that's a great that it's a great example of that
2: okay so we've talked about creativity and the person. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the press of place, if I've got that press right. of
0: the environment. Press of
2: the environment. Right. Sorry or about that. Place. <laughs> okay. And so what are the other two P's in in understanding creativity?
0: Mm-hmm. The other two P's are process and product. So, let's talk about product first cuz that's quicker. So, that's the, so that the product or the or the outcome if you could think of. That's your painting, that's your dance, that's your new invention. And You there's a saying by um, Picasso that says every act of creation is, first of all, an act of destruction, because often when you're bringing something new and creative out into the world, it's breaking the status quo or it's attacking or it's shifting the status quo. And a lot of people aren't ready for that which is why a lot of artists become much more popular after they're dead and gone <laughs> and their paintings are worth a lot more than before because it was just too different from what was going on in the world right then. So to bring sometimes products, new, new products or outcomes out into the world takes a lot of courage. The fourth P is process. That's actually my most favorite because it's the most fluid so what the creative process is, and we all do this, we just don't realize it, but when you break it down into the four stages, people say, oh yeah, I do that when, when I do this. So let me describe it. So there's four pieces, there's a lot of models and creativity. So there's preparation, incubation, illumination, and verification. So what that means is in order to, to come up with a creative outcome, you have to be an expert in that field. So I can't have a creative product design in the area of engineering because I'm not an engineer. I don't have the skill set to even know what that would look like or to even start off. So preparation is I have to have some expertise in that field, a good amount of expertise in the field, and I have to have a emotional reason to wanna do that so that I can have energy and focus around it. So if I'm looking to solve a problem I have to have some dedication to that, otherwise I'm gonna lose focus or I won't really care about it. So preparation's the first stage. Then you move to the incubation stage. So what is incubation? Incubation is when you think about that particular issue you're trying to solve or what you're trying to bring out into the world, and you let your unconscious or subconscious part of your brain, whatever you wanna call it, which is the imagery part of your brain, work on the solution to that problem. So our, our conscious brains are very linear. We think in terms of steps, step one, step two, step three. That's how a lot of leaders and business people tend to solve problems. But the subconscious is where we work in a much more integrated fashion and it works in imageries and it brings in connections from various parts of the brain all at once. When we incubate, we're doing things like meditating, listening to music, taking a shower, taking a walk, washing the dishes, driving home from work. So it's important for us to know how we best incubate. So I actually do it a lot driving home, as long as it's I don't have to really pay attention to my, my drive home from work. And I'll be sort of percolating or incubating on a problem that'll just pop out while my conscious brain is focused on the road and where I am and not hitting anybody. It's, it's simple enough for my conscious brain to focus on it that my subconscious can kind of process through. And there's a place to, to poke through my conscious with the answer. So your, your subconscious brain is very, it needs quiet in order to come through. So your conscious brain needs to be involved enough with the physical activity to, to quiet it. So if you think about your cell phone and ringing in a crowded room, you're not going to hear the cell phone ring in a crowded loud party but if it's quiet you're going to hear that signal so that's the, that's the way that the brain works in terms of bringing that that unconscious thought through and that's when you get the illumination moment oh uh huh uh-huh. aha
2: <laughs> so this this clearly has implications for how one would set up a workplace in order to and, and how one would set up the systems in a workplace in order to maximize the creativity of the employees and the creativity of the of the workplace in order to solve problems. I, I mean, in the example you just gave around uh, incubation, mm-hmm. I could imagine that in some workplaces there may not be the patience or the time to allow for that incubation to occur. Can you talk a little about what are some of the qualities or characteristics in a workplace that might promote or inhibit or block creative problem solving?
0: I think that probably most Western type organizations, you come into a meeting, you have a problem, you better not leave that meeting without a solution. Right? So we don't give our people enough time to really problem solve. So we're using the linear part of our brains to go, okay, here's the problem. One, two, three, here's a solution. And that may be an okay solution, but it's not going to get you to the real juice of, of a really interesting or important solution because we haven't given ourselves time to process that. So What's important to do is set the stage for that to happen. So if you're in a, in a meeting as the leader, you can say, here's, here's the issue. Let's make sure we're problem solving on the right issue. So what's the preparation for that? Do we, do we have all the information? Do we know what questions we're, an, we're asking? Maybe we're asking the wrong questions. Maybe we need to do a little bit of brainstorming on what is the problem we're trying to solve. And then let people go away for a couple of days and say, okay, it's Wednesday on Friday or on Monday, let's come back and let's reconvene. Jot down any notes that you may, that may come up when you're home or when you're walking the dog or when you're exercising or the minute you may wake up or before you fall asleep. And then let's talk about those in our next meeting. And the fourth step of that process is verification. Then we can see which of those ideas that come up we think are workable and which ones aren't. So I think just simply setting the stage to allow people to know that they need that extra time and that's how our brain works in order to come up with the really important solutions is a very simple way to get to the real juice of what might be a great creative solution to a sticky problem.
2: So what we've been talking about so far comes from your background in creativity. And when we talked about the four P's, when we talked about the person, uh, it sounded as if traditional creativity theory really puts an emphasis on the traits that a person might have to be creative or not creative. But I know as well that you've done some work in positive psychology and so are there ways to enhance creativity for someone who might not think of themselves necessarily as an artist or a musician or the most creative person around in an organization?
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's what sort of bothered me about creativity studies was that you could, it seemed to be very fixed. You were in this environment, you were this person, you know, you could produce this product or not. Process, which is why it was my favorite, was the most fluid of it and it seemed like that you as the individual could control that. But in learning positive psychology, one of the things we learned was that 40% of your personality or who you are is actually malleable or changeable. And I thought, well, that's interesting. So maybe you could be a more creative person than you think, even if you don't necessarily have the flexibility, the talents of ambiguity, all the classic pieces that creativity studies say is important for that. So what I looked at were different positive psychology interventions to help strengthen creativity in each of those four areas. So for example, um, VIA strength, strengths is a very... um, I think, effective tool to understand what is it that I do well as a person and then using those strengths maybe of perspective or honesty or humor in order to use that to help me be a more creative person by using my strengths in those areas and not trying to think about, gee, I'm really having trouble with flexibility. That's okay. Let me bring my humor into it, which then might allow me to be more flexible because I've now just opened up the doors to allow creativity in.
2: We should probably let, Folks who may not know, understand a little bit more about what VIA strengths are. So this is a um, virtues in action uh, a set of twenty four strengths um, that you can actually do an inventory of online um, and identify what are the what are the strengths you were most likely to use. So those are things like creativity, humor, wisdom,
0: judgment, honesty um, perseverance, flexibility. Um, I think there's one about, uh, beauty or seeing beauty. Appreciation of beauty. beauty. So Mm -hmm. if,
2: if I were to take that VIA strengths assessment and find, well, gee, creativity is not among my signature strengths. It's actually down there. Let's say at number 23. Mm -hmm. Um, it sounds like what you're saying is that there might be other ways to get at creativity using some of my signature strengths.
0: Absolutely. I think by using your signature strengths and knowing what you did well gives you that feeling of, I can do this, you know, and I'll approach it from this angle. So so we don't have such a fixed mindset. That's another tool we learned in positive psychology, not having a fixed mindset on something so that you can um, uh, allow yourself to be more creative and that you don't get stuck in your own self <laughs> by saying, yeah, I, I have a great sense of humor. I'm very. Um, I'll persevere through this until I get through that and use those core strengths that you have when you're problem solving.
2: Are there other strategies and tools that uh, within the four P's that leaders can use to be more creative in their organizations?
0: I think there's tools that both leaders can use to um, help them be more creative in the way that they approach their business. And also the same tools can be used to teach the staff how to be more creative. Now, I'm not necessarily suggesting that you sit down and tell your staff, "Today we're going to be more creative, and here's the tools." Because I don't do that myself. I do maybe a little bit of that because they know that I've taken these sorts of of classes, and I and I and I learn a lot about that. But you could do things as simple as, for example, um, Amy Cuddy has the um, uh, positive postures study, which is if you are in a posture, if you think of someone who just touched a, you know had a touchdown with the hands in the air and the wide stance. When you do wide stances or you lean back in your chair and put your hands behind your head, any sort of wide stances taking up a lot of space will actually increase testosterone and decrease cortisol in, in your body. This has been scientifically proven. So if I'm coaching one of my staff who are dealing with a particular client that may be a little bit difficult to deal with, I'll say, instead of being hunched over your desk and making yourself small, science has shown that if you lean back and take up more space, you'll actually feel more confident and they'll get a sense of that over the phone and it'll help you through difficult situations. So I'm not using the words positive psychology. I'm not using the words creativity. I'm actually talking about science that most people can relate to and say, okay, there's scientific evidence that you know this happens. And then they feel when they do that, that it actually works. And they, and they start to notice the difference between hunched over their desks with their shoulders rounded and their head down versus sitting back and taking up more space. And you also feel more relaxed when you do that.
2: Great example. Do you have, let's share one or two more strategies and tools um, that could be useful in enhancing creativity in the workplace?
0: Um, One of the classic ways to enhance creativity is to train yourself to think in a more associative fashion. So what science has said is that our brains cannot hold on to two separate um, objects in the brain without trying to make a connection between them. So if you think about a pole and a a tether ball, there's a pole, there's a tether ball. The the ball's going to wrap itself around that pole. So that's what our brain tries to do. So if I say to you, you know, water bottle and cell phone, water bottle and cell phone, the brain is going to try to make some sort of connection between that,
2: yeah, I'm trying to figure out. I'm looking at your cell phone and the water bottle, and trying to figure out how do I get that cell phone into the water bottle so that I can drink through it, even though <laughs> it makes no sense at all, really. But but you're that's trying what my brain to, is doing.
0: to to do things. You know, is the is there uh, you know waves? Is the, is this like a you know uh, the the water is 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 contained in here? The energy is contained within the phone. You know that the, the um, sound travels better in, wa- in water, and sound travels through my cell phone. So there's all so this this. Connection connections that you can make. So one of the activities I actually did with my staff and I, and I told them to suspend judgment, which is a creative process. And there's no wrong answer, which opens things up because people right away wanna say in business, that's never gonna work. so we, we all agree to suspend judgment and we'll have a list of, of evocative words. So things like rattlesnake or things like six pack or things like traffic light that we can then um, ideate on. So what is it about a six pack? So what are some of the attributes of a six pack? It could be cans or bottles. They're sold in stores. Um, there's different colors. I can return them and get money for them. They often have handles, they're easy to carry. So just first of all, coming up with a list of attributes of this particular object. Then what you do is you take your problem or your question into play. So. Um, A question in business might be, how can I, um, what are the different avenues of fundraising? Or how, what might be some new areas of fundraising I hadn't thought about before? So what you do is you take that problem, you want to make sure it's the right question, the question that's very open. So how might I, or what would this look like? And then you take each of the qualities of your six pack or whatever you're working on and match them. So for example, it's, you know, cans or bottles. So fundraising. Are there different ways to fundraise? You know, maybe there's the hard approach because bottles are really hard, and the cans are a little bit, you know, squishier. Is there a simpler way to do it? Something that I can control myself, um, because cans and bottles are often refundable maybe there's a way to make fundraising easier by people doing something they get money back so it becomes an incentive for them to give money to your organization so this is just really simple examples right.
2: and it's not the it's not that well i could use the cans and bottles to bring to the recycling center to get a nickel that's not really i mean that is an answer i suppose but it's not really the point you're making it's the it's almost as if you're using these attributes of the cans and bottles as prompts to to take your mind in a new direction on the problem that you're that you've identified.
0: Right. So what you want to do is not focus on the problem necessarily because we're going to try to linear our way through, oh, I can do this, 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 and this. What you want to do is look at it from a different angle that sort of doesn't make any sense. So that you come up with new revelations because all you're trying to do is you're trying to make, you know, what's this cell phone have to do with this with this bottle of water? So I'm trying to make new associations and not and get into that subconscious, kind of incubate in, a, in an active way and not try to linear my way through, I have this problem and here's how I'm going to solve it. And I've always solved it that way before and you wind up the same path you've always been. So I've done this exercise with, with my staff. We did it around um, brainstorming how we might increase sales in the organization and they got into it once they once they got past the the this is crazy part of it, we came up with some interesting little tidbits that might not have come out if we weren't doing crazy brainstorming. So it almost puts a container around brainstorming to not brainstorm anything, but brainstorm, you know this against this. And then what happens as you start doing this more and more, your brain starts to always associate things. So if you're looking for, problem solving and it's, you're incubating and you'll see something in nature and say, gee, I wonder if if that, the way that that bird flies could help me figure out a pattern of how I might approach this particular fundraising issue I'm having. So
2: we've talked about interventions uh, that you can use for one of the four P's, person. Let's pick up on maybe one other area. Uh, Let's take
0: press of the environment, press
2: of the environment. And maybe you can tell us about some interventions or tools, strategies that one can use to enhance creativity there.
0: I think this one is really appropriate when we're talking about businesses, because so many organizations are not inherently creative. A lot of them are actually hostile to creativity. You know, we don't want any new ideas here. We just want to do things the way we've always done them.
2: I think the same could be said for nonprofit organizations. Uh, some nonprofit organizations, like any organization, get, get sort of stuck in the way that they, things have been done before and, and try to solve problems in the way that they've been solved before, even mm-hmm. when maybe they haven't been as, uh, maybe when a new way needs to be tried, mm-hmm. they may still be using an old method that isn't working.
0: Right. And, and I think we just get stuck in a rut. I mean, I think that's human nature to try to to just work through it, even though you know sometimes deep down it's not really going to work. So there's a couple that I found to be helpful when dealing with the the issues of an environment. And one of them is to reframe the situation. So when you reframe something you expand your perspective on it. So instead of saying this environment will will never change, they're totally hostile, you know, my ideas are never going to be heard, instead if you think about it in a way of, wow, this environment is so stable. It's this organization has been around for 30 years, it's worked really well. There's a lot of stability here. Let's take the premise of that stability and let's just tweak it a little bit. So you know that what you're gonna do is not going to rock the boat you know, 100%, but you know you have a strong, a strong basis. And instead of being sort of annoyed at the stability of an organization, be grateful for the stability of that, knowing that your little tweak is not going to rock the boat completely but just a way to maybe incrementally change things. So I think that's a it's a helpful way to look at something. Another way to That feels
2: that feels consistent with it's a little different but it's consistent with the idea in positive psychology of broaden and build where instead of you're not you're not trying to fundamentally attack or change the way in which the organization's been f- functioning but you're trying to attach your new idea to the existing structure or existing pattern to broaden and strengthen the organization overall. would that be would that be right? Yeah,
0: exactly. exactly. I think to further to build on that, um, uh, benefit finding is another intervention from positive psychology. And what that is, it's a focus on what's working. So the stability part that's working. Um, a particular fundraising effort might be working. So if you focus on what's working as opposed to what's not working, you can start to capitalize on those things and do more of those things that are working in the environment and less focus on what's what's not working or what might be stuck. So I think that's an important piece. And, and just w- one more piece, and sort of when you know when all else fails know what your happiness boosters are, which will help you stay refueled in that sort of environment.
2: What's a happiness booster?
0: <laughs> Good question. So a happiness booster is a very personal thing that you know lifts your spirits. That might be having a picture on your cell phone of one of your one of your kids or your significant other or a beautiful sunset or vacation that you took. It might be um, music on your phone that you know uplifts you it might be taking a walk around the block um, it might be calling a friend or you know taking time for lunch or five minute meditation in the, in the office something that you can do that's a just a quick little intervention of your own to refuel yourself so that you get out of the mindset that that you're you're in you refuel elevate And then you can go back into the situation again with a different perspective.
2: Is creativity fueled or blocked by certain kinds of emotions? Does negative emotion block creativity and positive emotion enhance it?
0: There's different research on that because there's a lot of of research around depression and mental illness and the creative person. Um, So often when people are depressed, they come up with incredibly creative, you know songs, if you will, or paintings because they're they're feeling things very, very deeply. Um, but for I think the 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 average person or, or most of us, there's also been research done that positive moods will increase or enable your creativity to come out. So it's really hard to ideate, on problem solving when you're in a bad mood because you just you have no energy you have no focus and basically you don't really care right. about that <laughs> so you do have to care about that was part of the kind of the, the the preparation part of it you need to care about what what you're doing so being in a positive mood and being excited about it does help with the with the solution finding.
2: So we've covered um, a number of tools and strategies, uh, and we'll have the tools and strategies listed in the show notes for the show, so that people can can see them sort of lined up, but are there, are there any other core tools and strategies that you wanted to mention before we, um, before we close the conversation?
0: I think that one of the most important things that I've learned in positive psychology and also going back to creativity as well, is that creativity is a choice, We can choose to create at this moment in our lives or not. And it's pretty powerful when you think about that every moment of your day you have a choice to, to create. And whether that's creating um, an effective work environment, whether that's creating an atmosphere of gratitude, whether that's um, creating you know humor and, and lightness in the organization, And every moment of your life you can choose to create or not. And I just think about the power of, of choice being so important to make the choices in terms of what you wanna bring out into the world and be conscious about that.
2: Wonderful. And if people choose to want to get in touch with you, uh, how would they go about doing that?
0: They can contact me in my um, personal email or my website. So my website is joannebrunn.com, J-O-A-N-N-E-B-R-U-N-N. And my personal email is joanne at joannebrunn.com.
1: Thanks for joining us on the B Change podcast.
2: If you like the show, subscribe on whatever podcast player you are listening on, and on our website, b-change.net.
1: Please follow us on Facebook and share with your friends and colleagues.
2: Thanks to our producer John Consilio and to our partners, Somerville Community Media and Boston Free Radio.